0: to locked on how do you book a parade for a championship when you don't quite know when the championship is um i'm just kidding this is locked on bucks i'm eric name milwaukee bucks reporter at espn milwaukee also the milwaukee bucks reporter at espn newark um which is a township in the southern portion of the state uh near near beloit uh, so shout out to Newark, which I didn't know. Uh, whoever sent it in made sure to send it in as Newark Township, so I knew that they weren't saying like, "Oh, like Newark out in New Jersey." Um, the Newark Township in Wisconsin exists. So uh, shout out to our affiliate there. I've never been there. I'm not sure I'll ever get there, but that's okay. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of Brewhoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy?
1: I'm good. Basketball eric winning right? basketball uh, uh aesthetically pleasing basketball um and no injuries which uh you know you only talk about injuries when they happen generally but uh reminder every preseason game that you get through without an injury is uh i feel like that's a small victory in itself and tonight the bucks had that you know small victory that we're probably not going to talk much about but then <laughs> more importantly they a very big victory on the scoreboard in opening Pfizer form with a resounding 116-82 one, uh, win over the Chicago Bulls. It is a bad week for Chicago sports rivalries with Milwaukee teams. And uh, I think tonight just sort of underscored how uh, very different the Chicago Bulls and Milwaukee Bucks are. And, of course, that's probably a good caveat to put uh, in <laughs> as we talk about what we like. And what we saw from the Bucks because will suck, so that's you know <laughs> an important baseline. We probably want to see the Bucks do this against some better opponents or at least more consistently. But um, I mean, uh, tough to find really much to complain about. If if you had higher expectations than what you got from uh, the Bucks in their their very first game of Pfizer Forum, I I think you probably probably needed to lower your expectations because uh, I think you got to be pretty. De- and happy with what we saw tonight if you're a Bucks fan.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Uh also before we get all the way, all the way started, a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by Vivid Seats. Go to the app store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Enter promo code LOCKDOWN, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to receive twenty dollars off orders of two hundred dollars or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. And yeah, I don't I don't really know how you could be you could be really upset with this. Um, I, I would say one, yes, the bulls are bad and they're going to be bad this year. Um, I, I know, uh, I actually, I shouldn't say, I know that some bulls fans are excited, but I do think there is a, a subset of bulls fandom. That's like, Oh, we got all these exciting young scores and they could put it together. And, you know, maybe they could surprise some people and eh, it's not going to happen. They're, they're just, they're just not very good. Um, and also Laurie Markkanen being out that hurts because Markkanen and Wendell Carter Jr are their exciting players and well you're not going to get to see Markkanen all that much and i mean Wendell Carter Jr he was a positive tonight for the Bulls uh he was he was kind of exciting and fun and challenging Giannis on dunks and yeah it, so good for him um but yeah that yeah, bowl, the,
1: the bucks the buck's biggest highlight was Wendell Carter the Jr balls. blocking Giannis on a or sorry for the Bulls uh, Carter blocking Giannis on a dunk attempt and fittingly like he still got called for a foul. So there you go. There you go, Bulls fans. That is your that is your highlight of the night.
0: Yeah. So I guess on the Bucs side of things, I mentioned a number of these things kind of previewing the game today, but I think we we got some idea on some of them, but also uh, not as much of an idea on other things. Um, the first thing I think both of us kind of thought about was the defense and what the defense was going to look like. And, and I would say largely tonight, I don't know if we got the best feel for that. I I thought the defense was incredibly sloppy in the first quarter. And I, I thought there was a number of times where, you know, you saw whatever the team's instincts would be from the last four or five years under Jason Kidd, like kind of some of those things would come in, and then they'd try to figure things out. um, And, you know, they would do some different things. And I guess, to me, the most interesting thing about the defense is, one, it's going to take a lot of time for us to, like, actually see details of it and get a better idea of things that are going on. But, two, there was an interesting answer from both Chris Middleton. I I think it was Chris, Giannis, and uh, Malcolm Brogdon all kind of mentioned the fact that, One thing that was new to them, and this was something that Chris had mentioned was in the game, they started scheming things differently that they were doing things one way. And then as the game moved on, they changed that around and they did things differently to take away certain looks from the bulls and, and to kind of change it up. And he said that was new for them. That that wasn't something that they would do. And I think anyone who's watched the bulls or the bucks for the last four years. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I, I, I would guess Jason Kidd didn't really make a whole lot of changes to his defensive scheme that uh, him and Sean Sweeney were pretty dead set in the way that they were doing things. And that was how they were going to win. And they just needed more energy and effort to get it going the right direction. And that energy and effort just never came. It just never found a way to make up for that scheme. And I, I thought that was interesting. And then, I mean, I just think the idea that, you know, these guys are still trying to figure some of these things out. And then Giannis said that they kind of play things two ways, that it, it's it's simple, but they play things two ways. So I need to dig back into the film and kind of figure out what what that means. But I would assume that means there's probably a Brooke Lopez version of what they do. And there's probably a non-Brooke Lopez version of what they do, because we saw him drop on a number of pick and rolls. He got cooked by uh, Chris Dunn on one of those on a hesitation move, um, but... I would assume that those are the two different ways, but again, I would need to rewatch the game and kind of give my eyes another chance to kind of comprehend some of that. So uh, we can start there. I think that's maybe the more nebulous uh, thing that happened tonight. I think the offense is what we're going to spend a lot of time on here tonight, talking about all the... Good and interesting things that we saw there, but defensively, did you get any any sense, any feel for kind of what you were looking at or, or what you what you thought? And also, the Bulls stinking uh, doesn't help you get a good look at what maybe the Bucks would be trying to do defensively.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you look just at the numbers. Um, you know, we'll talk a lot about the Bucks three point rate and you know them shooting forty five threes, which you know has been kind of one of the, the big storylines. Uh, of the night, well, the Bulls shot 41 threes, um,
0: yeah.
1: and we always talk about you know the importance of the shot uh, attempt number for threes, not just the percentage, right? Because I think we obviously often talk about how noisy that three-point percentage can be, even you know, especially defensively, but but you know, even over a full season. I mean, tonight the Bulls shoot seven out of 41 from three. That's 17 percent. Um, so I don't think you can be happy with giving up 41 threes regardless. Um, that's well above what they allowed last year. I think they were under 30 per game last year. Um, so that uh, they were definitely under 30 per game last year. They, they were actually pretty decent in terms of opponent three-point uh, attempts per game. Um, so a lot of threes given up tonight. Um, again, Chicago doesn't shoot well. I mean, they didn't shoot well overall on 32% overall. I mean, they didn't shoot well on twos either. Um, I think, you you know, again— um, th- there's a lot of noise in that. There are going to be nights where teams shoot obviously much better from three than, than what we saw the Bulls shoot tonight. Um, I think overall, though, you know, seven fast break points for Chicago, you, know, you like that. We talked obviously about Mike Budenholzer talking about how defense starts with your transition defense, so I think that was fine tonight. Um, and one other big topic that you know, certainly was more of a positive, uh, we talked a lot about um, you know, the foul issues and, and how Budenholzer specifically talked about fouling less. And, and tonight just 12 uh personal fouls for the Bull- for the bucks that is not many the bulls had 19 um and so i think you, you'd look at that as a positive you know in terms of um you know there's trade-offs here right like if you want to play without fouling you're going to give some things up um and uh you know tonight obviously you, you didn't give up much even without fouling and that that was you know large part because the other team just missed a lot of shots so w- we'll see i mean defense again, like. You know, um, they didn't force many turnovers. I think just eight turnovers by the Bulls as well. So they kind of just sat back and let the Bulls miss shots. Um, And I guess when you play a bad team, that can be fine. Um, They didn't give them any freebies from the line, but didn't really get turnovers. Um, So again, we'll see how it evolves. I think we, you know, agreed after the scrimmage as well. It was tough to really get much of a read on the Bucks' defense looking improved from that game as well, especially given it was kind of lower intensity. So, so we'll see. Um, I think defense will probably be, you know, certainly a work in progress. Offense will as well. But um, I don't know if you had any more thoughts on the D. But you know, certainly the offense uh, seems to be further along than than the defense, which probably shouldn't be surprising, given that that was the case all of last year as well.
0: Yeah, I would I would tend to agree there that you know, the defense, they're still gonna have a lot of work to do. And uh, I think a big part of it is, and and I've mentioned this a number of times, whether that it was in an interview with a player or it was us talking here, like, you know, you have to do a level of reprogramming. Um, And, you know, there was just so many bad habits that they were kind of doing defensively. And obviously, Mike Boonholzer kind of laid those things out. Like, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna fall so much. We're we're going to do a better job on the, the defensive glass. Like we're going to try to limit three points. Like all those things kind of were talked about and uh, obviously something to do. Um, So there's to me, a lot of work there. And I guess the, the positive that you could say offensively about what they were running previously was that it wasn't overly complex and in that lack of complexity there weren't really a a ton of bad habits to pick up other than you know maybe not taking good shots at the start of a clock and uh the fix there is pretty easy take that shot that's it just say that and you've kind of fixed that problem like there there isn't to me a ton of really bad habits you have to get rid of offensively so uh, i i do think that it it will be a little bit easier on that end and uh, i guess we we can kind of we can kind of move over to the offense as long as you're you're okay with that i don't know that i have a ton more to say um about the the defense or anything like that so um moving over to the offense
1: what one other just one other quick thing i was just looking up so last year the fewest fouls the Bucks had in any game last year, 13. They did that three times. So um, we'll talk about three-point shooting and how that was an outlier relative to what they did last year. Um, defensively, the foul rate um, already game one of the Mike Budenholzer era. Granted, it's preseason. Um, but especially preseason, I mean, you know, preseason tends to be pretty sloppy, right? Yep. Uh, I, I wouldn't say – I don't know. have the numbers in front of me. I, I think – you know, just from a theoretical standpoint, I'm not sure that preseason would have fewer fouls than, than regular season. Um, just given that teams are, are generally not sort of pretty tight. Um, but yeah, so probably says, says a fair bit about, you know, kind of the points of emphasis for Mike Budenholzer, um, and a coat in the coaching staff that, you know, in the very first game here in the preseason, you give up fewer fouls than, than you did at any point last season. So last year, 21.4 fouls averaged per game. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot.
0: Also, um, just just kind of realize how um, all of this works in a much larger system. Um, if you want to push the pace offensively, the worst thing you could do is stop gameplay. And an easy way to stop gameplay is what? That's right, fouls. So if you follow a lot, it's hard to play at a fast pace. Obviously, the the. Kind of hawk system is, you know, speeding up the pace a little bit in every aspect in the half court and then also adding on top of that, like, okay, we're not going to foul so that the game can keep going. And then all of a sudden, all of that ball, all of that ball movement, all of that player movement, man defensively this is really hard i'm really tired because i haven't had a chance to sit at the free throw line in a long time because they don't follow us on that end and now here i have to keep guarding all these guys that are running all over the place and i'm getting tired and you know that's kind of how all of this works systemically so um something to keep in mind there also something to keep in mind is vivid seats vivid seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. And I will say this after my first night in Pfizer form, there's going to be some experiences that last a lifetime in that arena. Uh, it is, it is fun. It is loud. Um, I, I would say it is, it's bright. The scoreboard is very good, um, so I think there's a lot to. The only thing I will say on the scoreboard, where they list stats, uh, full Atatakumbo doesn't quite fit in there. So they will have to figure out how to fix that, because not having Giannis's full last name is a problem. Like that's that's not ideal. So I think it gets to A N T E T O K O U N. MP, but no O. So I feel like you know you just gotta you gotta change the 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 column width just a little bit to get it in there. Um, but if you want to check on if they figure that out the next time that the Bucks come back home and they're in Fiserv form, well, you know you can head over to Vivid Seats to get the best seats and the best opportunities to see all of those things. Again, the podcast code for us is Locked On L O C K E D O N, and that'll get you twenty dollars off orders of two hundred dollars or more if you're a first time customer of vivid seats. So go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app, enter promo code L O C K E D O N to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. So go check all of that out. Now, onto the offensive side of the ball, Frank. Um I think and again, I, I'm just kind of busy tweeting and kind of in my own world as a game goes on, I would guess Bucks fans were extremely excited about everything that happened tonight. It, it, am I reading the room right, Frank?
1: You know, I wasn't following Twitter for the first probably quarters so of the game, um, but uh yeah, if you got onto it at all, there was a lot of excitement, you know, not, not just from Bucks Twitter. Um, there, there were also a lot of, you know, our friends um, from kind of the national media Bucks Twitter, or sorry, national media NBA Twitter, taking note of, um, you know, the different aesthetics, especially of the Bucks offense and the ball movement. I think uh, our friend Danny LaRue made a joke that the Bucks have had more open threes tonight than all of last season combined. <laughs> um, and there were definitely some really nice you know just and again it's not like rocket science um but just some really nice actions taking advantage of the personnel the bucks now have to you know attack kick out um have guys be you know really looking to to kind of always be finding the open man and move the ball and you know again i think the the obvious output of that was you know not just a, a monster offensive night you know before kind of the scrubs came in late in the third quarter i think they were at about 120 points per 100 offensive rating um i think they still ended up at like 116 or something you know some some really high number even even after um you know kind of garbage time set in um but obviously a really effective night scoring the ball uh and you know just some great balance between putting up a lot of threes but you know look they hit 15 out of 45 you know they didn't like make just they weren't just like smoking hot from three uh uh, but this kind of underscores something that we always talk about. It's it's you know, with three point shooting, it's more about, you know, having the willingness to to take good looks and get them up there and force defense to have to cover you that way because when you play that way and you have the personnel to play that way, and certainly with, you know, guys like Lopez and Ilya Sova being back in the mix at some of the big spots, you you have more, more of an ability to do that and it's really a green light for some of the guys who maybe previously didn't have it, John Henson did take a three and missed it. Tyler's also took a three and missed one. Um, but I think certainly when, especially when guys that, that teams have to cover like Lopez, Ilya Sova um, and to a lesser extent Thon Maker, you know, when those guys are out there shooting threes um, and forcing the defense, you know, even the big men to, to think about coming out on the perimeter. Uh, it just opens up the game. Right. And I think certainly, you know, Eric Bledsoe and, and Giannis were, were obvious beneficiaries of, you know, having a really spread offense around them and, um, you know, that's just you know, I, I, the one play that j- jumped out. At me me. We'll t- I'm sure we'll talk a lot about Giannis and sort of his evolving fit in this offense. But you know, one play that that was really fun was the Bucks kind of spread it out. They got a switch from Bledsoe onto Robin Lopez, and Bledsoe <laughs> just you know, like blew by Robin Lopez in like you know cooked half him. a second, just cooked him. And who was there for help? Nobody. <laughs> Everybody was spread out. <laughs> Nobody. There was no help in the lane once once Rolo got smoked, and he was Bledsoe mad. Had like just about. Yeah, Bledsoe just had like this like little finger roll with uh, with nobody within you know four or five feet of him. So um, so again, this is obviously the thesis of the Bucks offense right now. You know, ball movement, spreading it around, Giannis and, and Bledsoe and and obviously Middleton as well, and um, you know letting the creators create uh, and giving everybody else a green light.
0: Yeah, I mean there there's a lot of stuff to kind of unpack, but I, I thought one of the things that Giannis said and I I don't think I tweeted out this quote, but I had i sort of asked him like there were times last year and I, I think some of our more loyal listeners may remember this, but you know, when we we ended up talking to Giannis, he'd be There was one night where he was talking about how he really likes playing with Jason Terry because he knows when he looks to the corner, Jason Terry's going to be there. Like, that is something that he really liked because he just knew. Like, he didn't have to look. He knew he was going to be there. And you, you may remember him, like, diving out of bounds against the Raptors and, like, somehow, like, tapping a ball to the corner and Jet being there for a three. And I asked him something kind of to the extent of, like, I know you mentioned this last year, but, you know, what is it like for you to drive down the lane and see guys in the corner? Like, you just know that they're going to be there. And he, he said, with a smile on his face, that's great. One time it was Brooke, the other time it was Urson. Like, your bigs can space the floor and shoot threes. That's amazing. It gives me so much space to do whatever I want in the paint. I'm a capable and willing passer, so I'm going to find them. I know that. they got to be ready to shoot, and it's going to be fun because they're going to shoot a lot of threes. And, I mean, that right there. And, it, and again, we, we are critical of when Ursan was signed and uh, the number he was signed to and how many years he was signed to. But, as you just mentioned, that's the, that's the thesis here, is that you put bigs on the floor with Giannis that can shoot, it causes a lot of problems for other defenses because what do you do? Because Giannis is going to keep attacking. He's going to keep going to the rack because that's what he's best at. And, and that's really where he can make things difficult for you. And the Bucks now are putting you in compromising positions because you have a question to ask is, okay, if I want my big in there and I want him by the rim, I'm giving up a wide open three to Brooke Lopez. And again, maybe... Maybe the numbers work out for you. Maybe you say Brooke Lopez, 34% three-point shooter. Fine. That's what we're living with tonight. If he takes 10 threes, great. And I think if if that's what you decide, the Bucks on the other side will say, okay, that's great. You're going to give him wide open corner threes. We think Brooke is going to hit four or five of those. And that's really going to hurt you. And at some point, you're going to either have to decide to bring that help back in or you're going to have to push that help out and give Giannis even more room, or you're going to have to try to find some other way to combat that. And I mean, it's the exact same thing with Urson. And it was surprising. We, you had mentioned this as something you were looking at was, will they play a Giannis Urson lineup? And it was, I think a couple minutes left in the first quarter where, uh, you know, they brought someone on or they took, uh, Lopez off maybe and uh, brought Urson on and then all of a sudden you had a Giannis Urson set up as your two bigs and you just saw and that was one of the plays where Giannis found Urson in the corner was literally the first play that Urson was in the game as a center and it was him and Giannis wide open corner three. like that. That's the kind of stuff you're looking at and I believe the possession after that they found the exact same look, Urson in the corner again, swing, swing, open three for Middleton maybe, or maybe it was DiVincenzo, somebody, but all of those things were happening and that is kind of, to me, exactly what you were dreaming of initially when you brought in Brook Lopez, you brought in Ersan Ilyasova, and now you can legitimately go four out around Giannis and Giannis gets to attack and again, the Bulls suck. So their defense is terrible. So so maybe those those gaps and those holes were, were going to be even bigger tonight than they were uh, any other night. But it, it was as night and day as two things could be, looking at Jason Kidd's offense last year and Mike Booneholzer's offense this year.
1: Yeah, for sure. And let's um... – do you want to talk maybe a little bit about um, some of the some of the specific offensive stuff we saw? I mean, I think I think you know it's weird. One of the guys who um, I think kind of maybe embodied some of the like budness of of the new offense the most um, was a guy who shot the ball really poorly, and we don't really have any baseline of him from last year because he was in college last year, and that's Dante DiVincenzo, who I think had. Kind of one of the more interesting nights um, for for you know uh, the guys on this team. I mean, we'll talk about Giannis. I mean, Giannis put up you know nineteen on ten shots, thirteen ports, five assists, plus thirty four in twenty two minutes. Middleton, fifteen points, five boards, two assists, plus thirty nine in twenty one minutes. And Bledsoe, <laughs> sixteen points on nine shots, three out of six from three, ten rebounds, six assists, and a steal in twenty one minutes. He was plus twenty nine. I mean, those guys were, you know, the the. The, the best Bucks players were the best Bucks players. Um, yep. But I think there's obviously a lot of, especially in preseason, like it's kind of interesting to look at some of these more fringy guys, especially because that's where uh, obviously the, the the competitions for spots are going to come from. Um, and I think the wing rotation is, I mean, the wing and big rotations, I think are really the ones that, that we're you know, kind of looking at to see how it shakes out because not just like who's going to win out in some of the kind of like-for-like battles, but also just... You know how does how does want to play, right? Especially with the big guys like, you know, tonight we saw the Bucks play very big, um, bigger than even Jason Kidd played, uh, and, and you know, in a in a for a team that where we've often talked about like, oh, when are they going to play small? Um, you know, we've obviously talked about like, do they even how much do they even need to play small with some of the shooting that we we've discussed with some of the big guys? Um, but let me start with DiVincenzo. So Dante's line tonight, one out of nine from th- from from the field. 0 for 5 from 3. Um, he finally makes a shot. He was 0 for 8 in Summer League. Uh, he, he nearly matched that in his first game, but he did make a driving layup uh, in the second half. So um, Steve Von Horn can release his doves to celebrate <laughs> Dante DiVincenzo's first basket uh, in a Bucks uniform. Um, I, I hope the doves are not dead at this point. Um, but, but 7 rebounds, all defensive, 6 assists, a block, one turnover, um, and I think you know just from an eye test perspective. And look, I, I'm I'm going to be very upfront. I mean, people who listen to us know that I, I was not a big fan of this pick. Um, you yep. know, I don't view Dante as like having the kind of like upside scenario that gets me particularly excited, especially on a Bucks team that you know is going to be limited in its ability to really go after kind of like home run type players um, over the long term. But I think we saw tonight. Um, and we saw it a little bit in the scrimmage as well, but we think we saw tonight a good example of why, like, Budenholzer would view him as a guy that fits his system, um, yep. and, you know, a lot of it was, you know, the, the it's, it's feeling like a cliche now, but the idea of, like, guys who can, you know, shoot, pass, dribble, right? Yep. Um, and, okay, the shooting is not there yet for Dante, <laughs> um, you know, and, and ultimately, obviously, it's going to be, uh, very limiting on his, you know, value if he cannot make perimeter shots consistently. Um, you know, tonight he he did his best. You know, little Marcus Smart impression, um, which uh, hey Marcus Smart's good. So if Dante DiVincenzo was as impactful as Marcus Smart, I guess I would be pretty happy about that. But uh, you know, hey, uh, don't be a Marcus Smart level shooter, Dante. Please be a better shooter than that. Um, we haven't seen it so far. Hopefully that comes around. Um, but I thought. His ability—I mean, we saw him actually like playing as the de facto point guard in the second half for a bit. There, Um, he was—I think he was the first guy off the bench, right? Um, Did he replace Brogdon early? Um, And I think we just saw some good examples of how he's just a guy who has, I think, a good feel for the game as far as you know, getting to spots where he knows he can find guys for dump offs. You know, had some some really nice bounce passes, which I feel like if you're a good passer, you're going to get some good bounce passes. I feel like that's a good. um a good you know uh litmus test for how good of a a passer you are is if you can have some nice wraparounds and dump off passes um is i he- think he did a nice job of finding guys and and you know again um six assists for him in in 20 minutes uh, as a kind of secondary playmaker um i think that speaks to the bucks offense playing well and moving the ball well um but i thought it also showed you know that he was um that he's grasping the offense it's not you know too fast for him it's not moving too quickly. Uh, and, you know, he had a, a nice block. He had, you know, again, he can make an impact on the boards a little bit, which we saw tonight. So, again, I mean, if he doesn't shoot, um, I, I don't know how much he's going to play, but I think tonight he made a good claim on, you know, being a guy that because of that playmaking and sort of, you know, overall skill set perspective beyond just shooting, uh, that's that could be a big differentiator for him over, you know, the competition at, at the, the other backcourt spots, right? I mean, you've got kind of Brogdon, Delhi, and Bledsover, you know, kind of the point guards who maybe can play a little bit of off-ball. Um, but all the other guys, you know, whether it's Snell, Connaughton, uh, Sterling Brown, like, you know, I don't think any of those guys can can pass the way that, that Dante can. And so I think it will be certainly interesting to watch because I think we all know that's something that, that Budenholz is going to value.
0: I was going to say, I, I think we can already start his cool pass quota, right? Like,
1: Yeah, I think get at least a couple tonight.
0: And and I understand, like obviously. Uh everyone's going to be skeptical, like, because one, I think that's where both of us started uh, for him and, you know, kind of trying to figure out what his role is, you know, how he fits. um, Can he play? Is that, was it a one hit wonder in, in the, in the final four in the national championship game? Like, is that kind of what got him here? Like, uh, sure. He put up flashy, like athleticism numbers at, at the combine, but you know, can he actually play? And I mean, yeah, he's got to hit shots. Like, there, There's no doubt about that. But he's already made three better passes than Rashad Vaughn ever made, right? Like, in, in legitimately one game. So, like, I understand how low of a bar I am setting with Rashad Vaughn, but, like, he's already done that. Like, Rashad didn't have those three passes as good as the ones that he had it tonight like so to me like there's a level of excitement that i think is fair um because you know there was some ability to kind of i don't know if he if you want to say he got to the rim the the one shot he made was a kind of finger roll at the rim uh and he was playing the bulls so i understand all those things are uh, kind of fit in there but you know I, i thought there was enough stuff there that you could kind of see the outlines of a useful player and um as far as the shooting goes, like Giannis kind of like, uh, there, there was a sequence. I'm trying to remember exactly when it was, but Giannis kind of made a pass to him. He was open. And instead of passing, he decided to try to make a play. And, you know, that is the stuff where, you know, he's got to kind of figure out like, okay, I am a second side playmaker. Like that's kind of uh, an idealized role for me. Um, but if I'm open, I have to shoot it and I have to make sure that I'm confident in that shot. And obviously he goes over five from three and um, he wasn't the best free throw shooter in college, um, which is no. typically a, a good indicator of whether or not you're going to be a, a good shooter from deep in the NBA. Um, but, you know, I think there's, to me, there was enough usefulness in all of the other things that I did that, you know, you can kind of hope and cross your fingers that the shot finds a way to, to work itself out. So um, yeah, I, I thought it, it was kind of, it was kind of cool to see that. And, With him, I know one of the things we were worried about is, like, can he beat guys off the dribble? And it's another thing that we're going to talk about. I talked about a little bit after the scrimmage, but, you know, guys that are a little bit more limited in that regard kind of tend to get head starts on their drives in this offense. And for a guy like Eric Bledsoe, he doesn't need a head start, but sure as hell makes him look even faster than he is. But a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, who you know, sometimes with some sneaky athleticism can get by guys. Um, but a guy like him, a guy like Dante DiVincenzo, it just makes driving to the basket that much easier when you're, you're kind of playing on the catch and you're able to kind of move towards all of that. So yeah, I I thought there was some excitement there. Um, no doubt about it. And you know, I guess all of the, the They were spitting at us uh, after the or shooting out at us after drafting Dante about like, oh, he was a he was a guy that understands uh, passing and dribbling and uh, kind of ball movement, player movement offense at Villanova. Maybe that's kind of coming true or also maybe it's just his first NBA game and everything will be terrible after this. But that seems I don't know. I don't know if unlikely is the word, but I don't know. I'm I'm going to remain somewhat optimistic. He he showed me a little bit more. Uh, as someone who came in as a skeptic, um, he, he kind of impressed me tonight. And again, I understand lower standards, but still uh, kind of impressed me there. The other thing I wanted to talk about with the offense was you mentioned kind of thinking about some of the more specific offensive things, offensive tendencies. Uh, I thought there was – I tweeted it out, and I thought it was – just kind of the sequence that can kind of define beautiful bud basketball if if i if that's how you want to call it but there was a sequence where Giannis first half Giannis brings the ball down the floor uh chris middleton out on the left wing and he's in that spot if you remember the blue squares that i tweeted out uh, about where you know you kind of want guys uh The two corners were filled, Giannis was in the middle of the floor, and then the two wings were filled, and those wing squares are not right on the three-point line. It's about, I don't know, five to eight feet up above uh, where it is, like above the break, a little bit further out, and Middleton was on that one in the left, and Giannis kind of dribbles his way. Middleton cuts in from the left wing to the middle of the floor. Giannis just gives him a little pitch, and then it turns into this kind of, tidy middle pick and roll with Middleton and Giannis and Middleton gets there, throws a little pocket pass to Giannis. Giannis catches in the middle, which is not a spot. We saw him a ton like uh, as the role man in the middle, where he gets to make that four on three, three on two decision that, you know, Draymond Green kind of made famous where you know you're playing at a disadvantage and you got to make that that spot right in the middle of the floor you got to make that play Giannis gets it and if I'm remembering it correctly I think that was the one where he finds Lopez back in the left corner so you get the defense going to the left you get him going to the right then you kick it back to the corner to Lopez and Lopez I believe missed the three uh but it gets tipped around. Eventually, I think Urson manages to get one of his patented Urson tips, which somehow he had like three of them tonight uh, because he's Urson Ilyasova and ageless, and somehow manages to tip balls to himself. But it was just a, a sequence where you got to see a, a Chris Giannis pick and roll, which is very rare. Like we we talked about that last year, that that was just something that the Bucks could never figure out, never really do, never really had any feel for. So you get to see your two best players in an action together. You get to see Giannis attacking a, a scrambling, disadvantaged defense. And then you have your two bigs in the corner where, and again, it was a bigger lineup than I think maybe we were thinking we would see where it was both Lopez and Ilyasova. But whatever, Lopez, Ilya Silva, Giannis two shooters in the corners spread floor he finds Lopez cuz Lopez's guy crashes down and it was just kind of that tiki taka just ball on a string everyone gets a touch and all of a sudden look at that corner 3 and uh, i mean i that was one moment that sticks out to me but uh, i think there was a number of those of you know just all of these different things that can kind of flow together and it looks like on the floor these guys don't have They don't have set spots for themselves, if this makes any sense. Like, it's not like Chris is always on the left wing. That's the only spot he can go. It looks like everyone fills those five spots, but inside of it, there's a lot of interchangeability. And I mean, I think good luck defending it, NBA, because it's going to be tough.
1: Yeah. And I thought um, you're, you know, it was interesting seeing Giannis in particular. try to sort of negotiate where he was supposed to be on the floor, um, and, and sort of how he was supposed to attack and kind of balance, you know, his normal aggression and sort of what we got used to seeing last year, which was kind of a lot of like him setting screens to get like, you know, mismatches or try to get roll attempts or, you know, just straight up post attempts that turn into kind of ISOs or, or post ups. Um, and we still saw some of that tonight for sure. I think like, I mean, yeah first possessions it was like him kind of going from like elbow to, you know sort of like um extended elbow to extended elbow looking to make screens and um <laughs> try to get involved um we, we did see him get in the post a little bit at times um he had you know one play where he sealed justin holiday and out on a dunk he had you know other times where um you know maybe he forced stuff and kind of early a little bit. Um, um, but I thought it was interesting just kind of watching him try to negotiate that because I thought as the game went on, it, it seemed like things got more fluent. You know, he had an, a couple of dunks in transition, which were sort of just like vintage Giannis destroying, you know, hapless defender type stuff. Um, you know, was able to kind of take advantage of ball movement uh, a bit more than than, you know, just, you know, kind of more like force feeding iso type stuff. I think we didn't really see as much of that. I mean, it just felt more natural. But um, you know, it was interesting. You asked about that in the post game and uh you know again i think it's 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 cool to see him acknowledge you know not just saying like oh everything's great perfect bud systems you know great we're all free you know there's been a lot of very positive and amusingly (laughs) upbeat conversation about the bucks new offensive system from players who clearly are not missing their former coach in the last few days in, in the last week um but it was interesting from Giannis because he was also pretty candid about you know the fact that he still trying to figure this stuff out right
0: yeah no and to me that was kind of and again I think anytime we end up talking to Giannis it's very interesting but you know at the times where he's very kind of open about these things that's where you get the really interesting stuff and um i had asked a, a couple questions and then uh it was actually surprising uh, Caitlin Sharkey had asked a question about you know better spacing and it, it was one of those moments where it felt like okay, I've, we've kind of all heard about these things about how much better the spacing is and you know, how, how obvious this is going to be. And it, it, it was just kind of funny that, you know, he, he didn't totally say like, yeah, um, it, it is great, but I'm not 100% sure. The exact quote was, it definitely feels better because she asked if the spacing felt better. He said, it definitely feels better day by day and game by game. Me, Chris, Bledsoe, Malcolm, guys that like to attack off the dribble. We're going to kind of know our spots because right now we don't know our spots or that that's how I feel. We're going to know our spots. We're going to know how to attack. We're going to know when to pass, and we're going to be more comfortable with this offense. And this is our first game. I, I think we did a great job moving the ball, finding the open man, shooting open threes. It was unbelievable. We had fun with it. And, I mean, that was kind of what I thought. Like After the first quarter, I, I remember a, a number of people kind of tweeting out, like, hey, this is this is great to see how much space there is and how open they were. And I, I just kind of remembered because this was something that we had asked the last couple of days was how does Giannis fit into all of this, and I truly thought watching that first quarter, and Giannis had a great first quarter, um, but watching that first quarter, it felt like he was kind of, kind of floating, kind of trying to figure out okay when, when do I get to attack off the dribble, what spots should I attack off the dribble from, how, how do I kind of. Try to negotiate all of this, and I'd be curious. I don't. I don't even know if there is like stat tracking uh, during a preseason. I would assume there is, but if I had a guess, and you'd have to find a way to prorate this. But if I had a guess, like Jan's probably had the ball in his hands considerably less than he's used to. Like, it, if I just had a guess, because there were a lot of times where he was kind of moving around, and then it would be a touch and a quick touch and moving the ball, but in that first quarter, it felt like there were moments where it was kind of some of those old habits. And you mentioned one of them, and one of his first scores was a, a left wing clear out where he just backed down his guy and just kind of attacked. And it was like, huh, kind of looked like something he would do under Jason Kidd. And uh, again, it worked. So I can't imagine Mike Boonholzer was furious or upset, but I thought it kind of, spe- it kind of spoke to, you know, just how not totally comfortable he is with it which is both a scary thing for the rest of the league and also kind of an interesting thing thinking about the night that he had
1: yeah and I mean sort of those things like you know uh, we talked about a lot a lot last year right I mean the Bucks offense was still effective in large part because they had talented shot makers in particular Giannis Milton and Bledsoe who were efficient scorers and you know to a large extent you can just sort of roll the ball out with those guys and, and they're going to get buckets and so I think there's you know, the balance between trying to set up a system that is going to create good looks and, you know, get people uh, in position to succeed and take advantage of the skills that your players have. Um, and and also, as we've talked about, hopefully also, you know, by having a better kind of more fluent system, helping guys who are not the Giannis, the Middletons, the Bledsoe's, um, be able to play a, a more significant role in a more consistent role which is i think you know really was the biggest flaw in in what we saw a year ago in in terms of under jason Kidd Joe you know, prunty it just you know felt like aside from those guys you know you just didn't know what you were going to get from from anybody else night tonight um and so i, I think it is going to be really interesting and you know again like you know it was interesting i mean Giannis hit a pull-up three over jabari parker in the first quarter and it was obviously a shot that everybody looks at and says oh oh shit Giannis pull-up three <laughs> it's on now right yeah um but you know those are the kinds of plays where it's like you know if he misses it we're saying oh that's probably not that good of a shot right would have been better off driving to the basket and you know trying to dunk on jabari who you know probably is getting more bailed out if you settle for a pull-up three so and that's just that's just the reality of being a superstar in the nba i mean you're gonna you know there there has to be some to some extent sort of the just roll the ball out and show that you're better than the other guy type plays and you know again like you're not just going to be able to get Giannis you know on the go wide open dunk plays every time right like part of the offense is going to have to rely on him to um create shots that, that other guys can't and maybe take some shots that aren't that easy um so I think it's just going to be very interesting to see just sort of how that you know evolves over the course of the season and you know how he kind of picks his spots and you know where his confidence is but you know we've heard him say publicly say he's you know he's not going to be afraid to shoot threes certainly nobody else on the team <laughs> seems to be afraid to shoot threes and uh again like that might not mean the bucks are necessarily sporting the the highest three-point shooting percentage uh, um in the league because the more you shoot you know lots are your percentage isn't going to be as good but um i think again it it will serve to open up the attack and um you know i mean the rockets are the you know most extreme example right and the rockets typically have not shot great percentages from two-point range. But they just shoot tons of them, and the pressure they apply to defense is just so significant that um, you know it's obviously translated into extremely, extremely potent offenses. And again, not sure the Bucks are going to be quite in that class. But by the same token, I mean you know, kind of top to bottom, it's not like the Rock what the Rockets have done. I mean, they have two superstars, and you know they were a terrific offense even before Chris Paul got there. You know, if you have that kind of transcendent superstar, and you can build around him in a really kind of logical. and and productive way. Um, you know, I think the Bucks could be a phenomenal offense. Um, maybe not Golden State Houston levels. Um, but again, I'm I'm really excited to see how far uh they can push it given the personnel and, and obviously the new philosophies that they're putting in place.
0: Yeah, tonight I and again, it's one game and it was the Bulls and all of the other uh qualifiers I need to add in there, but yeah after tonight it felt like okay we we had talked about how the bucks were seventh in offense but really that was you know a couple points behind uh a couple points per 100 possessions behind who uh who was in six i think is the nuggets um tonight it felt like okay yeah the bucks could be an elite offense like that that could be a reality of this season so um yeah, you don't want to get too hopeful. You don't want to get uh, too out of control with your predictions or start planning a championship parade. But uh, yeah, I think a lot to be excited about offensively after tonight. We'll see on defense, and we'll keep our eyes out for all of that. I think that's about it for tonight. Maybe Frank will stop me, but otherwise, I think we should be good. So that is going to be it for Lockdown Bucks for tonight. For Frank Mann, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you guys later.